When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Hub City Homers. My name is Chris, and this is the second edition of the Monday Mailbag. Today, we have quite a few questions to get to after a not-so-busy week for Texas Tech besides some baseball and softball action. Obviously, the men's team is not involved in this year's NCAA tournament, which is pretty disappointing after the last few years of having to or getting the opportunity to watch them. But, you know, that's just how the cookie crumbles, and we're hoping to see a lot of changes with this program. Hopefully a solid head coaching hire, but I'm sure the guys will get to that on their podcast. So let's just get right into the mailbag. We're going to start with probably the biggest question coming out of yesterday's baseball game. Dylan Carter went down with a wrist injury. What's the impact on the team? So obviously we all know how big of a how great of a player Dylan Carter is for this team out in center field. Um, I'm not as in tune with the baseball team as some of the other guys, but I do watch because obviously, you know, supporting the Red Raiders. But, you know, this is something that we're definitely going to have to monitor. And as of recording this podcast, I have not seen anything as far as an update on him. But all that I do know is Jarrett Curtis, the freshman filled in for him at center field and honestly I've been kind of excited about this guy when I saw that we got him he's a very very fast guy like elite level speed out there in center field which is something that you really need obviously he's a freshman and we don't know how good of a hitter he's going to be going down the line and you know the experience that Dylan Carter has isn't matched by him obviously being a freshman but he was a highly touted guy coming out of high school and quite frankly I just it is early in the season, and you know this team had a lot of injury woes last year, so I'm glad that we're able to get the freshman in. I don't like it at the expense of Dylan Carter being injured. But last year, you know, we had the injury bug quite a bit, and this team ended up making the regionals, which obviously we wanted to see this team go a lot further. I feel like the injuries definitely played a part in that. How could they not? But it's something that's going to have an impact on the lineup, especially hitting because I don't know if Jarek has that power and just the ability to hit or the really experience that Dylan Carter has. So we're definitely going to be missing that. A lot of the other guys are going to need to step up. Some of those veteran guys will be able to or will need to at least. But it's something that we definitely need to monitor. But having it happen this early in the season, hopefully there's a time frame for his return you know, hopefully this team doesn't fall too far behind. We saw this with the basketball team this year. We had a few guys out with injuries before the season even started or during the season, and we saw how that impacted the lineup. So hopefully this is something that isn't as impactful as it was on the basketball team because, you know, baseball's a little bit more, there's a little bit more leeway with the hitting, and it's more a lot more individual than basketball, obviously. So... I'm hoping to see Dylan Carter back out there sooner rather than later, but we don't know the severity of the injury yet. So just prayers out for him. Hopefully it's nothing too serious, and hopefully we can get him back out there playing the game that he loves. The second question on the mailbag was about this past weekend's track and field indoor championships. As Tech just missed the podium 
who stood out for the Red Raiders. So they ended up finishing fifth in the men's and the women's. I didn't see how far down they were, but they didn't have many people there anyway. So uh, there wasn't really an impactful performance on that end. But boy, oh boy, did we have an impactful performance on the men's side. Terrence Jones won the 60-meter dash. And he was he ran a uh, 6.46, which is 6 seconds and 46, second, 46 milliseconds. So insanely fast. Actually, just a tenth of a second off from where, or not a tenth, a hundredth of a second off of where he finished with his own track record. He holds the indoor record tied with a few guys at 6.45. So, I mean, awesome to see him win. I think he ended up winning by a tenth of a second. The next closest guy got a 6.55. So... You know, Terrence Jones is somebody that is going to elevate this track and field team. Obviously, I wish I would have been able to have seen some of the other guys place a little bit higher. I know we had a few second-place finishes. We had a few guys get on the podium individually. But overall, this track team is going to make a lot of noise indoor and especially outdoor. I mean, we saw the performances that they had last year. So I can't wait to see the outdoor track and field season. That's probably one of my favorite things to do is watch outdoor track and field. Just see how fast these guys are. See the impact that they have on the overall score. I mean, Texas Tech has a lot of guys that will help them win plenty of meets. And who knows? Maybe even even better than we did last year in the outdoor, in the outdoor season. So that's something that I'm definitely looking forward to. Just seeing how... Especially like I mentioned last week, a lot of the impactful performances are going to come from the guys that are running a lot of those shorter distance runs. We have a few guys, like I said, running the longer distance, the 400s, 800s, miles. So those guys are going to hopefully be able to step it up and have a bit of a bit more of an impact. But the real impact is going to come from those 60 meter dashes, the 60 meter hurdles. A lot of the sprinting is where Texas Tech makes their money. And the pole vaulting. Gosh, some of the guys that we have on the, that pole vaulting team. I mean, we had a guy finish second. So, you know, big things are to come for this Texas Tech track and field team. Now, this question might be a little bit more lengthy, so I can't wait to talk about this. The NCAA tournament. Obviously, Texas Tech is not in here this year, but, you know, where the question is, what, who do I have winning it all? And if there's any sleeper teams. So... Getting into the tournament talk, one thing I got to preface by saying is obviously it sucks that Texas Tech's name wasn't called yesterday. We already knew that they weren't going to be called when they had a first round exit in the Big 12 tournament and just the season that they had. There was really no hope for this team to make the tournament without winning the conference championship after, I would say, after the TCU and Kansas losses. That's when it became a little bit evident that Texas Tech was probably going to need to win win the entire uh, conference tournament. But you know, they didn't, and that's just the way it goes. It's unfortunate, and it's not something that you want to see out of this program that has had a lot of success recently, but with all the controversy on and off the court, it just seems like it wasn't their year, and just pretty much just everything kind of spiraled into itself, and Texas Tech just really wasn't in a position to be in this tournament this year. So getting into the tournament talk, the team that I have winning it the most, so... I've gone over, I probably made like tens to 10 to 20 brackets already trying to kind of figure out the perfect formula. 
And the one thing I will say, I guess I kind of forgot to mention that is without Texas Tech being in the tournament, I'm actually very much so looking forward to filling out a bracket because I know just like plenty of my other Red Raider fans out there, with Texas Tech being in the tournament, I always feel like I have that sort of bias in the back of my head, even if I try to, even if I make a bracket that's just like, all right, I'm going to try very hard not to put Texas Tech anywhere further than I truthfully think they will. I'm not going to let my homerism come out and put them somewhere where they likely aren't going to go, but that's just so hard. Like last year, I think I had them, I think I had them in the final four last year. Probably when I probably had a bracket where they were winning it all, of course, and I mean, I, they made it to the Sweet 16. So in the recent years, I've actually kind of won plenty of bracket tournaments that I've been in because at least not with the Texas Tech fans, because usually with Texas Tech fans, some of them are a little bit more realistic and they will kind of have Texas Tech going out where they should. And then the rest of their brackets pretty good. But usually in like work brackets or just brackets with friends, I will end up doing pretty good, especially the year that they were the national runner up. I was like the only person that really ever had them going that far, and I won a lot of money that year because even if they didn't end up winning it, not many people believed in Virginia first off because obviously they had that last year where they had an exit in the first round as the first one seed to ever do that. But nobody really ever has Texas Tech going far because they just weren't as confident in them as me. That was probably the one of the years where I knew that Texas Tech had the potential. I think that the realistic stopping, if I ever had a bracket that year that didn't have Texas Tech going far, it was probably losing in the Elite Eight to that Gonzaga team because that was such a good team. I am still shocked that we ended up beating them just with all the talent that they had on that team. But, you know, that team, the Texas Tech team that year was just so good. So, you know, you can't, can't go wrong with it. But there was a few years before. I mean, the year that they played Butler in the first round, I know that that year I think I had them going to the Elite Eight and they ended up losing to Butler in the first round. There was a year that they made it to the Elite Eight, actually, but then they ended up losing to UConn. Not UConn, uh, Villanova. That really good Villanova team that just destroyed everybody going to the national championship. So that year, those were the few years where I was a little bit vindicated in my Texas Tech Homerism. The last few years, I mean, they made it to the round of 32, lost to Arkansas, and then this past year they made it to the Sweet 16, lost to Duke. So those years I did pretty good too. But, you know, this year I'm looking forward to not having to have that homerism in my bracket. So that is definitely something that, hey, maybe, maybe you know, we'll see a little bit more perfect brackets out of the Texas Tech fans because they won't have to worry about placing their team in an unrealistic place. But without further ado, when I have been doing my brackets... I've actually had Arizona, which is in a very tough south south uh, region. I mean, there's a few good teams. I mean, we have Baylor in there. Obviously, Baylor's not the defensive juggernaut that they are, but they run that three-guard lineup that is just so deadly. So deadly. As Texas Tech fans, we know very well how great of a lineup that is. Um, there's a few teams in there that I like. A lot. I mean, obviously Alabama. Alabama is the number one overall seed for a reason. They're an offensive juggernaut. Regardless of what happened off the court, Alabama is going to be a tough out for anybody. I don't. I imagine them probably running through whoever they have to come across up until they get to probably the Sweet 16, where I have probably... I don't even know if it's a sleeper. I've seen a lot of people saying this for this year's tournament. There's a lot of teams in this tournament who... Got those automatic bids from those lesser uh, conferences. I don't want to say lesser, but the mid the mid level conferences. 
and the also the lower level conferences that are Division One. Basically, every team that has made it from those conferences were the one seed or the two seed, and they kind of just ran through their conference and had a dominant run in the tournament as well. And a lot of those teams, more than usual, have over like 20, 25 wins. So these teams are not, I mean, obviously the competition level is a lot more, it isn't anywhere near some of the bigger teams in the tournament, but still, you know, 20, 25 wins in a college basketball season is pretty tough to get to. So there's a lot of good teams that could pull off some upsets. So realistically in that in that specific region charleston is a pretty popular pick i have them advancing to the sweet 16 but losing to alabama and out of that bracket side i have arizona coming out and they're the team that i have consistently put in to the champion as a champion i just love that arizona team they're one of the few teams that is that good but hasn't really been riddled by injury so far I mean, there's a little bit of inconsistencies, but the, every team has inconsistencies. I think Arizona's big men, as well as their senior leadership, and just leadership overall, maybe not even from seniors, but just guys who have played basketball there for a while, they they have such a good shot at winning this whole entire thing and stopping a team like Alabama and making a run to the championship, which is not very synonymous with Arizona because they usually end up choking. But, you know, that's a team that I have winning it in most of my brackets so far. And then just to go over a few other regions, Purdue is a one seed that I think lose the earliest, probably as early as that first round, or the second, uh, the round of 32. I think Florida Atlantic is a tough, tough team. Same with them and Memphis. Either whoever comes out of that, out of that 8-9 matchup is going to be tough for Purdue to handle. They could lose there, or they realistically could lose in the Sweet 16 where I have Duke meeting them. This Duke team is just severely... I wouldn't say severely underseated. They probably are very deserving of where they are, even though they won the ACC championship, uh, the tournament championship. They're just like, they're the number one recruiting class. They have a lot of guys that are going to play in the NBA. It's just one of those Duke teams where a lot of people are sleeping on them, and I feel like they can make a lot of noise in this tournament. So Duke is a team that I have coming out of that specific region. I have them meeting up with Marquette in the Elite Eight, although I could see Kansas State making a run if they get past Kentucky. Kansas State's another tough team. They could get past Marquette, too, and make an Elite Eight run. That's The Big 12, like I said, the Big 12 is loaded. Baylor, I know I had Baylor losing early, losing to Arizona. Baylor could beat Arizona. Baylor is Baylor is a tough, tough out for anybody. It's just that they don't have the defensive strength and the strength on the... But they don't have the big men that they usually do. In the Midwest region, I have future Big 12 uh, companion Houston. Um, they're, they're a team that I have going pretty far. But unfortunately, I know we're going to hate to hear this as Red Raider fans, but I do have Texas making it out of that region. I think Texas is here as a two seed. Obviously, last year they were pretty, they were a three seed, I think, and they got upset. Texas is like, after everything that happened with Coach Chris Beard, I was surprised that Texas remained ranked. I thought that that team would crumble, but they just have those guys on that team. And. You know, we're not in this tournament, so obviously I'm not rooting for any Big 12 team, but when it comes to my bracket, you know, I want my bracket to be right, and I'm taking all the biases and, you know, conference hate out of it. Texas is a team that I could definitely see cutting down the nets at the end of the tournament. They're so talented. They play great defense. They play solid offense. They could really realistically rely on a few guys to get buckets for them. Texas is a team that I think 
they have a really good shot of winning this whole thing. I mean, they could stumble against Texas A&M in that second in the round of 32. They could lose to an Iowa State or an Xavier in the Sweet 16. There's a lot of ways any anybody could. There's no real juggernaut in this year's tournament, but Texas is a team that I can see playing against either Houston or Indiana. Those two, I feel like, are a little bit more. Those are probably the two like teams that are going to come out of the round of 62 that I'm a little bit more confident in. I think Houston gets obviously wins their first game. And I see them getting past Iowa or Auburn. Iowa can shoot the ball pretty good, and, you know, it's Iowa, but they're not really an NCAA tournament team. They're not a team that I'm worried about going into the NCAA tournament, and I usually don't have them going far. Sorry, Kendall. But Houston will probably get past their round of 32 matchup. And then Miami is not a team that I'm worried about for Indiana. I think Indiana gets past Kent State, and then they beat Miami, and they could easily beat Houston. There's a few. I think I have Indiana actually going further than Houston. I think Indiana could pull off that. I'd love Trace Jackson Davis. Um, he's one of my favorite players that I've probably ever watched, and I know that's pretty synonymous with everybody that's in Indiana, and a lot of people like him, but he's just so fun to watch. He's just, I think he's going to have a really, really long NBA career. I think he's going to be somebody that, he's been at Indiana for a while, so maybe he won't have that, you know, that younger player draft him really high in the first round type of, like, profile but I do believe he's somebody that could have an impact on an NBA team for a while probably blossom into a really good player maybe even an all-star that's how high I rate him I don't know why but he's the guy that I'm looking forward to watching in this tournament but yeah I have Houston or Indiana one of those two making it against Texas and then I usually have Texas coming out of that and who they meet is definitely uh, a surprise to many I have, obviously, Kansas winning their first game because, you know, I I think Kansas is going to get upset in the first round. And then the main point that people have been talking about is this 8-9 matchup for Kansas. Either If it's Arkansas or Illinois, Kansas is in trouble. And obviously, we all know Terrence Shannon Jr. at Illinois. I'm rooting for him. I live in Illinois. I love my Illinois teams, you know, the U of I, which is the Illinois University. Um, Northwestern's in the tournament this year. I'm hoping that they have a good run too. But honestly, I think Illinois comes out of that first round matchup. And more times than not, maybe it's just because I want to pick the right upset. But Illinois is a team that I have advancing out of that matchup between Kansas. And honestly, I could even see Arkansas doing it. They're healthy now. They have a lot. They were one of those teams that at the beginning of the year, everybody had winning the national championship just with the recruiting class that they have the transfer portal that they had they're a team that a lot of people had as a popular pick to win it all but i have illinois beating kansas i'm just going to say it i love I, I love illinois i think kansas is really talented but i just have illinois winning i'm sorry illinois is just maybe it's a little that one's a little bit of a homerism but i also think that that team is talented enough to beat kansas they were a team that beat a lot of good teams earlier on in the year they stumbled a little bit had a few injuries but the guys that they have on that team the guys who have that tournament experience that they could rely on i have illinois advancing against kansas into the sweet 16 st mary's is another team that i have going pretty far iona is a team that i think will pull off an upset against uconn uconn is very talented but they just kind of always choke, and I just feel like Iona is a team that is going to be dangerous really for anybody to play against. So I have Iona advancing. I have St. Mary's avoiding that 5-12 upset against VCU. St. Mary's is a team that, you know, is in that conference with Gonzaga, and for a while they were ahead of Gonzaga in a lot of 
rankings. I think, I don't know, I forgot to see if they won the regular season tournament or just regular season championship, but they're the recent years they have been competing with Gonzaga. They have been ranked high. That's a dangerous team. That's not one of those mid-majors that are like just there for the ride. They truthfully are becoming a team that you have to watch in the NCAA tournament, and I feel like this is the year that they break through, get to that Sweet 16. I mean, I have them facing against Illinois. Either team can win that one just for I, I think Illinois is going to come out of that one. I think Illinois is probably going to win that matchup. And they will be meeting the winner of UCLA and Gonzaga. Two teams that obviously played a few years ago in that uh, bubble national title, national semifinal. That was a really good game. I think UCLA with... It's hard to predict UCLA, obviously, with the injury that they just had. The guy's name is slipping my mind, but... He was a solid defender for them, probably their best defender for them, and was a key guy, and he's out now for the tournament, I'm pretty sure. So that UCLA team is still talented. They're another team that I think if he wasn't injured, UCLA would would probably be my national title pick, or at least meeting up with Arizona there because they're on opposite sides of the bracket, I think. So that would be a crazy matchup. But for now, I will have to say that this Gonzaga team, although it doesn't seem like one of those Gonzaga teams that we've seen in recent years, I do think that they advance to that Elite Eight. I also would like to shout out TCU, another Big 12 team that we have seen. Obviously, we've most of us have seen the controversy with Eddie Lampkin in recent in the past week or two. That team is obviously going to miss him regardless of if he's played this year or not. But that TCU team is still talented. I think that they could probably, I mean, they could even be Gonzaga. Like, realistically, this TCU team could make a good run. But I do have Gonzaga advancing. I have them losing to UCLA right now. And then in the Elite Eight, so if we recap that, I have Alabama versus Arizona, Duke and Marquette, Texas and Indiana. And then I have Illinois versus UCLA. So this is really tough to pick, you know, Arizona, I obviously have Arizona coming out of that uh, Elite Eight. I have Duke winning. I think this is a year, another Final Four for Duke, even after last year losing in the Final Four. I do think we see them there again, but they lose to Arizona. And then Texas is going to advance and probably play against, and I know this is crazy, but Illinois. Illinois is my sleeper team. I have a lot of faith in Illinois. Maybe it's a tiny bit of homerism, but realistically, this Illinois team already beat this UCLA team. This Illinois team can play with anybody. They are one of the best teams that has probably not played up to where they should be this year, but I'm rooting for Terrence Shannon Jr. I'm rooting for that team to make a run, and I think we can see them in the Final Four. Now, my national title matchup is might make people mad, but it's going to be Arizona versus Texas. Arizona ends up winning. This Texas team, like I said before, I'm not going to, you know, gloat over them any more than I already have, but they're a really good team. I think that they have the ability to make it to the national title. However, I do think that, and this is, I mean, Texas is who Texas is. I believe that they probably have to make it this far, maybe like Elite Eight, Final Four, in order to continue with the head coach that they have. I know that that's a pretty, like, weird take. But Texas is really Texas is probably Texas is that team that always wants more than they probably should have. Like they want they they have Ronnie Terry there leading this team after what happened with Chris Beard, and they're still probably going to try and look for the next best guy or something like that. When they have him right in there, 
back here. I mean, they have him. They have the guy that they should probably keep. But, hey, if they let him go, Texas Tech better be the first one to call him. That's all I got to say. That is all I have to say about that. So, Arizona, to make a long story short, even though I do like talking about the NCAA tournament, Arizona is a team that I have coming out as a champion, probably for the sleeper team. I guess you could call Illinois a sleeper team. Obviously, you can. They're an eight seed. So, that would be one of my picks for as, as a sleeper team, as well as, you know, I have Iona making it to the Sweet 16. That would be a pretty big sleeper. Charleston as well to the Sweet 16. There's a few teams that are ranked a little bit lower seeds that I probably could see making somewhat of a run, but right now it's usually just been Charleston and Iona making it further. Yeah, that's that's my NCAA tournament talk. Obviously with Texas Tech out, it's a little bit unfortunate not being able to talk about them, but we will be talking about that next year. I can guarantee it. That's Chris Sal's our guarantee. Now, a little bit more NCAA tournament talk. My bad. Forgot I had one more question. Oklahoma State, did they get snubbed? In my opinion... As I said last week, I do. I did. Uh, I did write a uh, bubble segment for one of the other companies that I do write for. I had Oklahoma State in the tournament. I think that they probably did enough as far as playing in the Big Twelve. That was pretty much it. That was pretty much the criteria. I think that they probably should have made it over Nevada. That's that's basically what it comes down to. Oklahoma State, in my opinion, probably should have made it in over Nevada. But obviously the committee saw a little bit different, and that's just how it goes sometimes. I thought Nevada didn't really do much else besides in their tournament especially. They, they play in a, lo- a way weaker conference in the, in the Mountain West Conference. No offense to them, they have four teams in the tournament for a reason, but they don't really do much in the tournament. Regardless of that, we don't want to use years past as this year's criteria. But Mountain West Conference compared to the Big 12, there's no comparison. So that's why I thought that Oklahoma State's maybe losses and resume was a little bit better. However, you can't really do much about losing to the teams that you've lost to if you're Oklahoma State. That I mean, there's just some inexcusable performances there. Obviously, so if in case you didn't see it, the last four in for the bubble teams were Mississippi State, Pittsburgh, Arizona State, and Nevada. First four out. Oklahoma was that first team out. Rutgers, North Carolina, surprisingly, and Clemson. I mean, Oklahoma State, I thought Clemson should be in. If NC State was in, I thought that Clemson should have been in. That's just my criteria. I thought that Nevada should be out. Arizona State was a team that I, I, I would be willing to take Arizona State out in place of Oklahoma State. But actually, you know what? Scratch that. I would say that the only team that I feel like got snubbed, maybe Rutgers a little bit. They made a little bit of a run, but their early season kind of screwed them. Kind of the same with Oklahoma State as well as Clemson. Clemson is a team that I thought should, out of all four of those teams, Clemson should be in the tournament. It's a travesty that they're not. Oklahoma State's probably right where they should be, right on that border of being in or out, but I'm not going to throw a fit about Oklahoma State not being in because I don't really care about Oklahoma State. But taking my homerism hat off, I could see a reason why they would be upset, but I honestly, Oklahoma State's probably right where they should be, to be honest. It is what it is. The last question that we have Another question on baseball is, why is Tim Tadlock on third base? Should J-Bob get his job back or get his spot back? And has that had any impact Any impact on the team? So I'm going to be completely honest with you. Like I said before, I am not as in touch with the baseball team as some of the other guys. And maybe they will kind of touch on this too. But in my opinion, I believe that it had a lot to do with last year. I mean, we all saw the Notre Dame game where uh, J-Bob got suspended for his interactions with the umpire and 
from what I know about baseball, and this year I kind of made a promise to myself to get more into baseball, especially at the MLB level, but college baseball. I've been paying pretty close attention to college baseball, but a lot on the MLB side too. I want to go to a few Cubs games, a few Sox games, because obviously I live in Illinois, so those are the teams in Illinois. But yeah, baseball-wise, I mean, obviously I know that you have a third-base coach and a first-base coach, and usually the managers in the dugout. That basic information right there. Why Tim Tadlock is out there on third base, if I had to guess, maybe it had a little bit to do with what happened at the end of last year. Again, I don't know. I did. I don't know how much it impacted the beginning of this season because I know that he got a suspension as well from that. So I don't know if the suspension leaked into this year and that's why he was doing it or if Tim Tadlock was just kind of there to start the season just to be there. Maybe it had to do with not wanting to get a guy ejected and just being closer to the game. That's what I would assume. I mean, I've kind of I've done a lot of research. I've uh, over the past like few hours, I've tried to see if there's a specific reason why anybody has said that he's at third base, and I couldn't really find anything. I don't think it's been a question that others have been bringing up that much. So it's something that maybe to keep an eye on. But I, mean, I, I feel like J. Bob will eventually get that back because that's what he's been doing for a while now. I mean, he's been there for eleven years. He's been a solid recruiter for us. He's just been an overall great piece of the staff so i don't think it's any like i don't think it's anything bad that he isn't there i think if tim tadlock thought that he needed to be in the dugout more he would make that decision i mean we obviously know how great of a coach slash manager tim tadlock is he's led this baseball team baseball is the best sport at texas tech it is it's been the most consistent sport it's been in the national spotlight a lot more it gets the most respect out of any team, even though they're. I believe that they shouldn't have been unranked at any point during the season. This team is really good. Even with the Dylan Carter injury, I feel like this team is still going to do great things. So, honestly, it, I mean, you can see by the results this year, I don't think that it, has, that it has had any sort of a negative impact. If anything, I feel like Texas Tech has been doing pretty good this year, especially against the teams that they face. They've had a few tough matchups, and they've done pretty good. And a lot of teams, I mean, Texas Tech started off the year maybe not in the top of the rankings, but there was still a little bit of expectations for this team, obviously being a consistent college World Series contender at the very least. So, you know, I think this team is going to be very good. And if Tim Tadlock is at third base and it's working for this team, then so be it. That's pretty much all I got to say on that part. Maybe a little bit more comes out on that. Maybe we see J-Bob there a little bit more towards the end of the year or during the middle of the season. It's uh, something to keep an eye on, but as of right now, I don't think it's having any sort of negative impact on the team. So yeah, that kind of concludes all of the questions. I know we spent a lot of time on the NCAA tournament talk there. I mean, I'm. It's just I'm so passionate about college basketball, about the NCAA tournament. It's just I just kind of got on a ramble. So hopefully you enjoyed that. Hopefully you enjoyed the entire episode. Feel like I had a little bit more confidence in this one. Talked a little bit better. You know, was able to speak on things a little bit more clear as I'm getting used to this podcasting thing. So. Thank you for being along for the ride. I enjoy talking to you guys. Enjoy answering all the questions that you guys have. So that will conclude the Monday Mailbag episode. Continue to listen to this podcast. The guys are just pumping out great content throughout the week. A few episodes a week, including this. So if you haven't already, then go ahead and subscribe. Pretty sure 
I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but we're going for a name change here. I think actually somebody already put it on the social media. So maybe not breaking news here, but a new name will be here in the next episode or two. So look out for that. But other than that, just go ahead and have yourself a great week. Start off the Monday right. And yeah, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys later.